Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hi everyone, it's Sabina. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Every time I think I have a topic for the podcast written out, ready to go, something happens in real life that makes me switch gears and change the topic at the last minute. That is definitely true of today. Last time we talked, I mentioned that the job outlook was quite good. More jobs were generated in January than were expected. It shattered the prediction. But I have this theory that this is our way of work now. We have a good labor report, but we are still seeing a very flexible and fluctuating workplace What's happened to some people I know, things that I've been reading, verifies that to me in my tiny little window of the world. I've had a few people reach out to me that, yes, we're having this very good job landscape, employment landscape. People are still losing jobs. The best and the worst economy, people get jobs, they lose jobs. It is becoming more and more normal But I've had some questions about what do you do when you are faced with losing your job? Let me clarify that. I have a podcast of here are the top five things to do when you lose your job. And that's immediately after. But someone asked me over the weekend, what do I do in the moment? And that's what today's podcast is about. Even if you know it's coming, even if you've seen the reduction in forces in the organization, you have that feeling of, I'm not really sure I'm going to last with my boss or my team or our division's getting shut down or it's just not working out. You walk into a meeting and there's your boss and HR. I have been there. I think more than a few people listening have been there. Emotion takes over. You feel blindsided. Even if you knew it was coming, 
all of these things hit you at once. There's a disbelief or a denial. Maybe there's a little bit of anger. Maybe there's some shame. I used to work for a company that had British connections, and I think the Brits have great words for things like this. Two of my favorites are gobsmacked and gutted because they're so on the mark with how one feels because there really are no words. That's part of the problem. You're, when you're faced with this situation, no matter your personality type, no matter how professional you are, no matter the circumstances, you're being asked to come up with all of these decisions, or it feels like it, when you're in this emotion. It's hard to do. Someone is telling you, by the way, you no longer have a job. You're processing all this emotion. What you're really hearing is, do you remember Charlie Brown's teacher that, well, that's, you're not even listening at this point. You've been told the truth of, you don't work here anymore, or your job is going away, however they phrase it. You've stopped your capacity to be able to intellectually process everything that's coming at you. That's what makes these things hard. And we do not do it well. We need to do better. What I want to talk about today, is there anything that you can do in the moment? Someone asked me that last week. They said that they found themselves arguing with their boss about why they shouldn't be let go. And they asked me, was there something different I could have done in that meeting? And the sad answer is no. Only twice in my career have I seen someone be hit with a separation and bounce back from it and stay within the company. One of my thoughts is, do you really want to stay in a company that was set to cast you out in the first place? Both of those people then spent an incredible amount of time finding new jobs and left shortly after those conversations. In that moment, you might want to, you know, can I work part-time? Can I be a contract worker? Odds are the answer is no. The writing is therefore on the wall. You can only control what happens next, which is how that exit works for you. One of the reasons for this is we have in the U.S. what we call at-will hire. Uh, it is lovingly tongue-in-cheek, sometimes called right to hire, right to fire. That's a bit harsh, but it's true. That means only in very rare instances where there is a contract, are you obligated to continue to work for your employer? and they are obligated to continue to employ you. It is very much a gentle person's agreement. One of the exceptions happens to be the state of Montana. If you live there, look that up. But in most cases, yes, it is a decision that's already been made. You can only focus on what happens next. This is where I say you need to know your rights. If there is a big reduction in forces, and that number is going to vary state to state, think one of those massive layoffs from a company such as back when it was the auto workers or 
Amazon or Google or something like that. A certain amount of notice has to be given to everybody in a mass layoff, a mass RIF. If you don't know, a RIF is an acronym for reduction in forces. You might hear that bandied about the workplace. If you're a part of that, it's still going to happen. However, you have to be given a certain hour's notice. Usually it's business hours. I'm finding organizations are trying to be gentler and kinder. I hope we're moving away from the thing of, yeah, you have to go now. Your things will be sent to you. It's going to vary organization to organization. So what do you do in that moment? You walk in the room. There's your manager. There's HR. You get into the Zoom call. You're told the news. You're trying to process. First of all, maintain your professionalism. It might be hard. It's upsetting to lose your job. It's devastating. Who are we kidding here? Anything you do from that moment on is going to be your legacy, and it could impact other things that you might otherwise benefit from. And I've had this happen as an HR professional. I had someone punch a hole in a wall. I've had to have security escort someone out. I've definitely had people cry. We're human. Some of these things happen. You want to control yourself. You understand that the other person in the room, in most cases, they are another human being. They do not enjoy this. It is their job. We get that high emotion when we're in a toxic workplace and it comes out when we cease to feel even remotely valued. Maintain your composure at all costs. I've said this before. You are allowed to ask for a minute to ingest things. You can say, I need a minute, but I want to talk to you. I just need to take five. I need to get a glass of water. I need to just drink it in. I hope no one here is in a place where they escort you off. To me, that's something that is saved if someone does something egregious. That's not what I'm talking about today. Take that minute, but understand taking time to ingest things is not just that day, that moment. You can come back and talk to somebody a week later, a month later. Those are your rights. You've heard the news. You've ingested. A lot of things have no doubt been thrown at you. Paperwork, COBRA. People want you to sign things. Talk about getting your equipment back. Uh, all kinds of things. When you take that time, there's a lot you're going to figure out. But one thing a lot of people don't realize is you can negotiate certain things about your departure. That seems really shocking. But you should negotiate certain things about your departure. That's why I say taking that minute is important. You want to sit there and sit down and think about and write out. What do you want and need out of this? Yes, you might want to keep your job. That's not going to happen. What's the next best thing? And you want to write that down. You also want to write down all of your questions. I would also say this, because if you go back to have a conversation and you're asking for things, be it 
of your manager, of your HR department. You also want to list, I'm big on this, your accomplishments, what you've done in the job, how you've performed. Have you earned the company money, saved the company money, saved clients, made people happy? All of those things you will take back in when you negotiate your departure. So if you have that kudos file in your emails that I've mentioned before, that accomplishments list, all of those things you're going to take back with you. And I know you're thinking, why would my company let me negotiate this if they've already decided? Glad you asked. Organizations understand that even though you leave, people are staying there and working. You talk to each other. They are dependent on the people who stay having goodwill with them. Those people who stay are going to see how the organization treats the people who leave. I have seen groups resign based on how other people were treated in the leaving process. Very impressed with their integrity. We're also in this stage of employment. I mentioned it being very flexible. People come back to organizations every day that they left, that they used to work at. I have seen people come back to organizations where they were, I'll use the word terminated. There's this war for talent, folks. There are more positions than people. I know that's hard to believe if you're out of work. But there's pretty fierce competition, especially now when we have a lower unemployment rate. But also think about something else I bring up all the time. Younger workplace generations, largely millennial and Gen Zers, often leave a company to gain skills, to try something new and different, and they come back. The term is boomeranging. Organizations know you might come back. They might really want you back. Therefore, they need to treat you well in the leaving process. They need to treat you with respect. They need to have a professional dialogue. I think this is a great thing that we are seeing. So keep in mind, you really can do this and your organization really needs to support you for these reasons. How a company separates from an employee is usually based on policy what they pay out, the time they give, their process. That's all an internal company thing. There are certain laws that will govern that. Policies can be flexible. Laws cannot. You want to know what your company's process and policies are so that you can see where there's some flexibility. You also should do a little homework on what are the laws in your area, in your state, so that when you come back to your manager in HR, you come from this place of knowledge. You have done your homework. You've done your research. You have written down all of your questions. You've written down everything that you want to come out of this process. Let's unpack what that might look like. And let's talk about money. Money is the big thing. I know. I get it. That is the first thing you worry about when you lose your job is, oh my gosh, <laughs> How am I going to pay my bills? That was my first thought too. A few things to know. When an organization separates from you, you should receive your last paycheck within 72 hours. A lot of times it is on the spot. 
especially in this day and age of direct deposits, electronic money. It should be the last hours you worked, the last days you worked. It should also include unpaid leave, be it PTO, vacation, however your organization classified it. You might have other things to take into account, such as, did you get stock? What are the stock options? Those are usually dictated by something else. However, the amounts or when that stops accruing or calculating, there might be some flexibility. It might be the end of the final month or maybe you didn't quite make a milestone date or something like that. There might be some squishiness with that. Bonuses and commissions. That's another big one. Uh, more often than not, if you are in a friendly separation, and sometimes even if you're not, those bonuses and commissions, that's money you earned, that will come to you as well. Severance. This is the tricky one. Severance, there is no law that guarantees you severance. The law guarantees you to receive money for which you have worked. Severance is a gift from your organization. They are doing it to be nice. I get that it's an oxymoron to be nice when you are removing someone from their job, but it is still a gift and you should look at it that way. Can you negotiate it? Yes, you can. I have seen employees, I have advised employees to go beyond the policy of severance. This is why I say, have that accomplishments list, have that list of what you want and the kudos, the congratulations, the great things that you've done. The standard rule is that you get two weeks severance for every year you work in the organization. There's sometimes some flexibility with that, especially if you are a newer employee, you can ask. They can say no, but you can ask, but make that case. Hey, in this short time that I worked at this organization, I saved over $100,000. I think that's worth an extra two weeks severance. Ask, have it written out, make your case, be professional. A couple of other things with your exit package. Really important. Every once in a blue moon, I will talk about taxes. I will talk about it when you sign up for unemployment. I'm going to talk about it now when you get your exit package. You might get the opportunity to decide whether it's going to be done in one lump sum or if it's going to be paid out over time it will be taxed. The larger the dollar amount, the larger the amount of tax that comes out. If it is an extremely large amount, not maybe you've been at the company for 20 years, you might want to have a discussion with HR about, can I have this quarterly? Rather than the lump sum, it might save you taxes. Talk to your accountant, do some calculating, find an online calculator, have that discussion with HR. Usually they won't be able to tell you what to do. They can tell you laws, policies, etc. It's a good conversation to have. Keep that in mind. You might be thinking in your head, yay, I'm okay because I'm getting, I don't know, six weeks severance. And then that check comes and all that tax is taken out. It's very sobering. You want to make sure that you have thought that one out to ask for how you want to receive this. A question I get all the time is, 
can I still get unemployment if I get severance? A lot of people think they can't. You can. When you go to your state unemployment site, Department of Labor site, whatever they call it, and you go to file for unemployment, it will ask you, who is your last employer? It'll ask you for their tax ID number. It'll ask you, did you receive a severance? Did you receive a bonus? Sometimes they ask you to put in the figure. Other times they don't. You just check a box. They go back to the employer to find out what that is. Everything's automated. Let the state do the math for you. If you are due unemployment, it will come after they factor in your severances, bonuses, commissions, everything that is money. Budget accordingly. That's my best advice to you. There are other things that you want to negotiate besides money. Money might be a non-starter for an organization. There might be other things that you can, and then there's one thing you definitely should negotiate. So a few things to ask for that you might get. Asking for job coaching services. A lot of organizations keep companies on retainer. I have agreements with a couple of them where I provide coaching services for somebody who is being let go, who's separating from the organization. A company will pay coaching companies, reemployment agencies, whatever you want to call them, job assistance programs, a certain dollar amount per employee or on retainer. Take advantage of that. The, the way we look for jobs, the employment landscape is constantly changing. It does not hurt to have a guide take you through it, especially if someone else is covering that bill. Take advantage of it. Do not walk away from free things. If you want some coaching assistance, I'm available. If you're an organization in RIF, call me. If not, just like follow me and keep listening to the podcast. Other things to negotiate. Healthcare. COBRA is becoming this antiquated thing. If you recall during the pandemic when people were losing jobs, there was a federal guideline, a federal law that stated employers letting people go because of the pandemic had to provide COBRA healthcare for six months. And then I believe it was extended even further for an additional three months. I was a very grateful recipient of that. A lot of organizations, bless their hearts, because this is generosity, folks. They are continuing people's health care, be it three months, six months. Uh, you don't have to pay that big COBRA bill anymore. They are covering your health care. It is one of the top things people negotiate for and actually receive. Ask. They can say no, but you can ask. Don't forget to do that. It can be a lifesaver. Uh, there's just not enough to be said about that. Other perks that you might have with your job. Do you have a gym membership, a club membership? Do you have an affiliation with a trade association or any development? If you have that and it's ongoing, Ask it to be extended to the end of the calendar year or for six months. You would be surprised. 
I have somebody I work with who is scheduled to be at three different trade conferences that their employer was going to go ahead and cover the expenses in their exit package. They negotiated for that. I still want to go to these conferences. They worked out how that person would represent the organization if they would, what might be said, but they're still allowed to go to these conferences. It's very important for their future career. The company saw the wisdom in that and they decided to continue paying for this person to go to these conferences. I know someone else who was in the middle of a certification program and the organization has said, yes, we will honor that agreement and we will pay for that certification. You never know. So definitely ask. Other things you can negotiate. What is my last official day? One of the reasons this is a big deal is because of your health care. If you've been listening to me, hopefully by now it's sunk in that if you leave a company on, oh, let's just say the third of the month, your organization covers your health care, if you're on that plan, throughout the rest of the month. A lot of organizations, and I just talked to somebody last week where their organization told them that their job ended the last day of the month. I think that's an awful move from an organization. Like, really? Come on. This person went back and negotiated and said, I want my last day to be the first. The organization gave in and said, okay. Hopefully they felt appropriately embarrassed by that. But you want to make sure maybe you have that extra month of health care where, as I keep telling you, you get in all of those doctor's appointments, medication, anything else that you need. Other things, if your workplace provides a company car or equipment, like that's your only laptop, your phone, anything like that, you might be able to negotiate to buy that from them at a cheaper cost than it would be retail or to allow you to keep it till you can get a new car, a new laptop, so you are not doing without. Make sure you find out those firm, this is when it's due back to you date, and that you follow that, but also if you need it. If this is my only car, I'm buying a new car, but I won't get it until two weeks from now, I need the company car. If you are separating and it's not your fault, you're not being terminated, a lot of workplaces will in fact be very flexible and work with you. This brings me to the one thing I really think you need to negotiate as you leave an organization. This has come up a lot and it is the narrative. What are we going to tell everybody? This is a tricky one. In that narrative, I count references. A lot of workplaces do not let employees give personal references or professional references for anyone. I've worked at a lot of places that do not allow this. It's usually because of fear of being sued or they don't want you to be the advocate or spokesperson for the organization. But every place that you interview for is going to want I'm using air quotes here, clean references. Clean references are usually confirming the dates you worked there, what your title was, 
are you eligible for rehire? That means you didn't do anything that they wouldn't want you back. You can negotiate for a clean reference. I recommend it. Make sure that you discuss with HR, your hiring manager, your, I'm sorry, your manager, what that reference will say. What if I get a job interview and they call and they ask the organization for reference on me? What are the things I'm giving permission for you to say? What are the things you are agreeing to say about me after I'm gone? Another part of that narrative is what to tell the people who are still there. What do you tell your team? I hope we are mature enough to get past the, oh, so-and-so wasn't really doing their job. Uh, it's not what we wanted. No one needs that. Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes organizations don't budget properly. If we've decided that there's going to be the separation, and by we, I mean the organization, Let's be professional about it. Let's just go with the, we saw things in a different direction, a different vision of things. They're, they're going to focus on family. We do not have to bash the person who's gone. We don't have to bash the organization. I wish I had been the one to tell my team that I was leaving. I didn't get to do that. I have left jobs where I was in the room when leadership told others that I was leaving. At the time, I wondered, why would I want to be present? And then looking back, it was very nice. It showed support, solidarity, and it showed that we were in agreement. We were on the same page. Even if I didn't want to leave or they didn't want me to leave, it showed a united front. It was better for both of us in the long run. Might be a little painful, it also gives the people staying a bit of peace of mind. Giving that comfort to your team, especially if you were a manager, uh, if you hired certain people, it is one of those things that it's a beyond a nice to do. I think it's essential for morale and everybody's well-being. I think that trauma of losing your job, I think it makes it sting a little less to be able to have some control and connection in the last minute. With all of these things, when you negotiate them out, one more thing in that leaving narrative is there's usually an announcement that goes out. We wish so-and-so well as they continue their professional journey. That's usually the jargon. I would definitely say that you want to have a say in what that email looks like. I've had people craft their own emails. You want to know what's going out to the company. Uh, this is to protect your reputation, the companies. Ask, say, I just would like to see what's going out before it goes out. Not be included on the email, but actually have a say in the drafting, be able to have some feedback and input on it. I think that can be really crucial to taking control of your career and your narrative. Real quick, a couple of other things you want to talk about. <laughs> Non-competes. They are getting to be more and more controversial. It used to be you would sign a non-compete and 
I have seen them get very granular, and I'll be honest, in some cases, very petty. I resigned a job when I was in my, a long time ago, I worked for an area hotel, and I was leaving to go back to school. They wanted me to sign a non-compete that I would not work for another hotel in the area. I thought that was ridiculous. It's not like I was general manager. It, it was really a controlling thing. A lot of non-competes are. You would have already signed something if you had access to crucial information for the business. That would have happened as you came on board. A non-compete, unfortunately, restricts your livelihood. You want to be really careful about that. If you feel it's necessary, take it to an attorney, but you want to make sure that you do not feel coerced into signing that. If you've contributed what I would call intellectual property to the organization, chances are it's theirs, not yours. This would happen all the time if I developed a learning program that was the company's. I couldn't take that somewhere else. You want to make sure that is also covered. If there's anything like performance reviews, something in a file, you want to make sure that you also have access to that. Those are things that you can control in the negotiation for your separation. Know what they are, know what you want, know the standard of them. I would definitely take out the middleman of your manager and have these discussions with human resources. If you go to them prepared professional, they will at least listen to you. You might not get everything you want. You might not get anything you're asking for, but asking allows you to start to control your career. A few to-do things. Don't sign anything on the spot. You take it. You say, great, I'm still processing. Let me take this. I'm going to come back to you, have an agreement in when you will get back to someone, have their contact information. They might not ask you to sign a document. They might ask you to docu-sign something through email or check a box that counts as a signature. Do not feel pressured to do it. You can even say, I'm really uncomfortable with this right now. If someone strong arms you, that's coercion. That means you signing something. Frankly, it negates it. I remember having worked fast food and resigning and being told by my manager, I would not get my last paycheck until I turned in my uniform that smelled like fried food. And looking back, I'm thinking to strong arm a teenager for such a tiny dollar amount. I know that was corporate policy, but you can't do that anymore. It is coercion. It's bullying and it's illegal. So someone says to you, Ooh, we can't give you your last paycheck till you sign this. No, that is not true. Then I would definitely say this is a situation where you want to call an attorney. Don't sign anything. Make your case. Come back. Get everything in writing. If your organization is willing to negotiate with you and they state certain things, get it in writing, even an email and that it's put in your permanent record. Get that contact information and weigh out your options. I will say this. If at any point in this process you feel your company is separating from you for a reason that might be 
inappropriate, illegal, if you feel you're being discriminated against, scapegoated, anything like that, talk to an attorney. You do not have to tell them that you are talking to an attorney. But that's another reason to ask for things to be put on hold and reach out to somebody, get some advice, uh, weigh those options very carefully. Wrapping up, <clears throat> your professionalism is going to be key throughout all of this. Just because someone might not be treating you fairly or the way you like does not mean you're going to sacrifice your emotional intelligence and not be the consummate professional. It might feel good to give a piece of your mind. That's what your friends are for. Uh, that's what your journal is for. That's what the ride home is for. In those moments, you want to be your best self regardless of how anyone else is acting. As an employee in separation, you have far more control than you think. Our employment landscape is changing constantly. We are changing rapidly. Part of that is because employees are seeing their value and their worth. I know sometimes when you are faced with a separation, we go into this stage of grief of bargaining. I mentioned two people who managed to keep their jobs, but they realized, why would I want to stay someplace where I am not valued? And they left. Employers are starting to see they need to show you that you are valued. If someone is separating from you, you might be valued, but they've made the business decision not to retain you. You will go somewhere that does value you and maybe is a better fit for you but you have that control. Organizations are starting to see things such as there's this thing called the court of public opinion, large giants, tech giants like Google and Amazon. We see the way they've treated their employees. Yes, we're still using them as organizations, but they don't have that sterling reputation that they used to. And it does impact their stock, their public opinion. What people think of them, younger generations are turning their backs because there are other alternatives. This is why your employer might be willing to negotiate with you. I also mentioned that war for talent and younger generations coming into the workplace. They no longer want that tenure of a lifetime on the job or even five years on the job. They are more than willing to walk away. That means it's harder to retain talent. Your organization is more willing to negotiate with you because they might need you back. I do believe this is our new normal and I want you to be prepared for it. In separation, know your rights, know what you want, be prepared, ask for it, and understand there's going to be somewhere else that will value you and want you and give you the future and the work that you desire and that you deserve. That's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out of work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, 
You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sulat. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at s-s-u-l-a-t at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.